The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello and welcome to the Radiate Wellness Podcast with your host, metaphysician, Reiki master, and hypnotherapist, Christy Clemens-Hoffman. Each week, we will discover teachings, tips, and tools to radiate your best life ever with practitioners, authors, and luminaries to help you on your path. Wellness, joy, peace, abundance. What do you want to radiate? Welcome back to the Radiate Wellness Podcast today. I am so excited to be radiating with my twin three-name girl, Sarah Bresman-Cosme, who is a fellow QHHT practitioner and author of A Hypnotist Journey to Atlantis and The Secrets of the Sphinx. Sarah, I am so honored and happy to have you here today. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. I am too. Oh my gosh. So, um, yeah, you're a fellow QHHT person and just crushing it with these books, I have to say. You know, before we started recording, I was telling the story of how just last week I went to a client's house to do a session. I never go to clients' houses. This is the first time ever in however many years I've been doing this. And on her coffee table were two of your books and Dolores's books right there on her coffee table. And I said, oh, and I freaked God. out a little bit because it's <laughs> so cool. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Yeah, right here in Kansas City, Missouri. I mean, oh my no, gosh. No coincidence, right? No. Oh my God. So you've really been killing it with the hypnotist journey to Atlantis, I have to say. And mm. you've been on Gaia TV, not just once, but how many? Twice? Um, I filmed a couple seasons of Deep Space. I filmed George Norrie's show Beyond Belief, and then um, Regina's show Open Minds, and then I'm going back in a couple weeks. I know. It's, oh my god, <laughs> you are crushing it! Oh, and you were at the what was it? The Conscious Festival in L.A. Life Expo, and then I spoke at um, Laughlin, the UFO conference. And I'm going to be a keynote speaker in August at the Metaphysical Tribe, which looks amazing. That sounds like so much fun. Did you ever dream that this would be your path? No. In fact, I was telling, I 
tell the story of how I got into this. Yeah. I, I thought something was missing in my life. And I asked a psychic, what's missing in my life? And she said, this is the easiest reading I've ever done. <laughs> she said, your path is so clear. I mean, it's, it's really easy. She's like, this is a psychic stream. I don't, I'm not a psychic, so I don't know how that works. But she said, usually people have a lot of future potentials, but I guess mine was really obvious to her. And she said, you're supposed to um, do QHHT, Dolores Cannon's method, and you're going to take it all the way. You're going to um, start helping to teach it. You're going to write books and you're going to be traveling around the world and speaking about the work. And I honestly, I thought, oh my gosh, this psychic is so terrible. <laughs> I, I don't even know who Dolores Cannon is. Of course, I didn't say that to her. I was just thank you that's you know but I figured she had me mixed up with the reading either before me or after me but it turned out she is amazing I mean she was amazing she was so right on I emailed her later and told her but yeah. I mean wow. it's you amazing no what you didn't even know what that was I didn't know who Dolores Cannon was I just felt like something was missing from my life yeah, well, this is a really big thing to be missing. And I can see how that would leave a Dolores-sized hole in your heart. Well, I got into all of this stuff just as a regular person with a lot of problems. I had so many problems. I, oh I was one of those people that just seemed to have every single problem. And then if other people had a problem, I could manifest their problem just by thinking about their problem. I was overweight. I had phobias and fears. I had OCD, you know, where you open and close drawers. I had so many issues like sleep issues, nervousness. I had anxiety really badly. And so I wanted to try to fix myself. And, and my parents put me in therapy, like traditional therapy. Yeah. And I was in it for um, probably about 10 years and none of my problems really got better. Sometimes they would get worse. I mean, it was really nice to talk to somebody, but then I, I thought that was the only way you could uh, help people. So I was going to be a therapist. My goal was to be a psychologist. And so I went to college because I wanted to be a psychologist. Yeah. And when I went to college, something really life-changing happened to me what's that after I went away for college I went back home to my family's house about two and a half months later it was um Thanksgiving break and there's a mirror that you see when you walk through the door of my parents house and when I walked through the door I took just I just was gonna glance at myself in the mirror and my jaw dropped while I was away for just two and a half months or whatever it was I had completely changed so much. I had lost a ton of weight. I had literally forgotten to have all my problems. As I walked through the door, I realized this. I thought, oh my gosh, all these years in therapy, and all of a sudden I feel cured of all these things. What happened to me? Oh. And I realized as I was staring at myself in the mirror, what happened? I realized that I had changed my thoughts and I had changed my, my patterns mm -hmm. and I changed everything about my life just 
you know, by changing these patterns. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is huge. If this can help me, I bet it can help so many other people. But who was I going to tell? I mean, I just continued and graduated college and thought, well, you know, maybe I can help people in this traditional way, but keeping that in the back of my mind about changing your thoughts. Yeah. And before I, you know, before I went to graduate school, I got a job as a counselor at a halfway house where my job was to basically give people their medication and counsel them. And so I thought, oh, you know, I'm going to counsel all these people. I'm going to, you know, totally change the world. Everybody's going to be healed. That's because I'm, you know, so gung-ho when it comes to helping people. And I think I, I found out within about a week that almost every single thing I felt as if almost every single thing I had learned in college was a lie because no one got better. No one, there were no success stories. In fact, it was the opposite. People just took this medication and, and they didn't really go anywhere. There was no, I'm going to take this medication and get out of this halfway house. It was the opposite. It usually ended in death or suicide. And then these patients were being tested on by the pharmaceutical companies and they would be part of studies and there was just little informed consent. So that's what led me to eventually get into hypnosis before I asked a psychic. Well, now let me stop you there. When you went home at Thanksgiving break, did everybody around you notice this change as well? Yes. I mean, instantly I lost about 20 pounds in just a couple months. And I had been eating pizza and, (laughs) you know, just doing the typical freshman things. Yeah. And so it didn't make any sense. I didn't change my diet. In fact, I felt I ate more, but it was how I ate. It was how I was ingesting things within my body. It was all about my thoughts. Everything was about my thoughts. And And that totally changed my life. Wow. And were you able to communicate this to the people around you? No, I didn't because I didn't come from that type of a background where this was something you talk about. Sure. I wanted to, but I didn't know who I was going to tell about this kind of thing. I thought they would think I was crazy. So I didn't really communicate it at the time. But now having had that experience, I know how important it is when people come in for a QHHT session, how this session can can completely change their thought patterns and their life so easily. Exactly. Exactly. Because in a QHHT session, it's just like what happened to me. You get that aha moment. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, this is what's happening. That sudden change within everything about you just from realizing the truth of your existence basically right because we decided that this episode would radiate who and what you truly are or we put it a different way do you remember because i don't remember how we put it do you remember how we put it um what what you're here for i think that was yes i think so i think you're right radiate what you're here for and just because this is my passion too is we have to know who and what we truly are what we're here for and that can help start this tremendous change right oh so gosh. yes yeah. just changing your thoughts changing your energy changing the, your vibration your frequency can change 
relationships, health, yeah, weight, psychological, mental, emotional, spiritual problems, all of it. I always thought before this happened to me that you eat a certain amount of calories or you eat certain foods and that affects your weight. And then after that experience, I realized maybe that has a part of it. That's a part of it. But there's the emotional component that really determines, you know, whether or not you are storing weight for some psychological reason or not. Yeah, absolutely. So what do your people think of what you do now? Well, you know, it's funny. They all, they've all come in for sessions now. (laughs) (laughs) I don't do family. (laughs) Your people are smart. (laughs) So do they think what you do is kind of woo woo and crazy? You know, they did. And when I first started out, you know, helping my family, they were a little, you know, nervous about it. They didn't know what to expect. And my mom was the hardest client in the beginning, but now she's the best client. I just don't give up. (laughs) (laughs) Now it's really easy. And she's had multiple sessions with me. She's actually healed a bunch of things in her body. That's amazing. It's been really profound for her. Wow. Okay. Wow. So before you saw the psychic, you're in, in, um, you're studying psychology and you're wanting to be a psychologist. Um, like what kind of background did you come from before that? Had you always wanted to be a psychologist and help people? Well, it's totally in my nature. I've, I was just born with this really deep desire to help people. I I mean, it's just, part of my genetic makeup, I guess. So I wanted to help people, but I didn't know that there were other avenues of helping people. You know, I didn't know about all the other mystical things out there. I only knew about the traditional things. So I figured because I had all these experiences with problems and therapy that I would help people the way I was helped, but I didn't realize there were all these different options out there. Well, it turned out that that's, that's didn't even really help you. It didn't really help me. And I got into hypnosis because my sister-in-law was having issues that I knew could be helped with regression therapy. Because the whole time I was in college, we studied regression therapy one time in one class. And I thought, wow, that's so interesting. If you get to the root of the problem, I bet that would help people a lot more. And so my sister-in-law was having issues and I thought, well, I bet I could help her with regression therapy, but because I'm such a perfectionist, I wanted to be good at what I did before I worked with her. So I became a master hypnotist in 2009 and I approached her and said, could I do this with you? I, you know, I learned all about regression therapy and I wasn't allowed because it was against her religion. So I didn't know that it could be against someone's religion at at the time. I just didn't have that type of religious background. So I started my own little practice with lose weight, quit smoking and past life regressions. And it was so obvious from the get-go that there was something about the past life regressions that actually absolutely worked. Like 
people could come in for just one session and they could heal themselves in just one session. And it just blew the other hypnosis out of the water. And I thought, oh my gosh, because I want to do something that worked that actually helped people. So I tried to find, you know, whoever I could to study this with that I thought was really good in their field. And I found Dr. Bry Weiss. So he was my first teacher. And that's the method I was doing, which is a fantastic method. It's just different than QHHT. In a QHHT session, as you know, the goal is different. The goal is to access the higher self. In a past life regression, it's to find out what the person's past life was and to relate it to their current life. Right, right. Go to the the origin point, if you will. Right, right. Right, which can be very healing. But yeah, well, she's different. Mm-hmm. People were healing. People were healing just doing regular past life regressions. But I feel like for me personally, I really like Dolores Cannon's method because it gets to the root of the problem. Yeah. So, so how did you find Dolores specifically? Yeah, there was the psychic, but you didn't know who that was. I mean, did you immediately go out and look her up or how did you find Dolores? Well, the psychic literally said Dolores Cannon. Wow. And I said, who is that? <laughs> I've never heard of her. And she said, yeah, you're going to be really, you know, you're going to go really far with this QHHT, Dolores Cannon's method. So it was later that I looked her up and right away it was like the goosebumps, you know, oh my gosh, I had no idea. And it was just such a match for me when I started doing her method and I've been doing it ever since. So I Mm -hmm. love it. How long is that? How long have you been doing QHHT? So I've been doing QHHT since 2017. Wow. Yeah. So you didn't even get to meet Dolores. No, I didn't. Only her daughter. And then before the quarantine, I was traveling around the world with Julia Cannon and assisting her in the classes and teaching. I was really lucky to have gone to the class in Egypt and Machu Picchu and Miami and and yeah, it's wonderful. Mount Shasta. Yes, that's amazing. Wow. Um, so you've been doing it just a, a year less than I have. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Oh, wow. Yeah. So let's switch to a hypnotist journey to Atlantis. So how did that come about? How did that get started? So this all started when I needed a subject to regress to videotape to take to the level three class that was all of a sudden going to be in Orlando. And I was so excited that there was a class that I could go to that was close to me because I live in Florida. It just appeared out of the blue. And so I thought, oh my gosh, I better find somebody quickly. So I needed somebody on the spot. And I didn't want to ask a paying client because I just felt like this I don't know. I I wanted to get somebody that was a volunteer because I knew it was going to be videotaped and, and I was, people were going to watch it. And so my first instinct was to ask my friend. And at the time, right after, you know, I thought about asking her, I thought, why did I ask her of all people? She, I knew she wasn't into any of this stuff. She had never read a Dolores Cannon book. She wasn't into spiritual things. And the reason I knew this was because I used to sit after school 
and watch our, we used to watch our kids play at the playground every day after school. And we talked almost every day for so many years after school. So I knew that she was not into any of this stuff because I would bring it up subtly, like a little bit, and she just wasn't into it. So I'm not one of those people that likes to go and assert my belief on anyone or start talking about spiritual things unless that person is into it. Mm -hmm. Right. But I asked her, would you want to do this and volunteer to um, be my subject for this session? Because, you know, I need somebody on the spot. And if you, if you do this, you know, you can really find out who you really are, why you're here. And, you know, you can really find out so many things about you and you can even heal your body if you have any issues. And she looked at me and she said, are you serious? Because I haven't told anybody, but I'm suffering from this brain condition called pseudotumor cerebri. And I haven't told anyone from the school. Mm-hmm. And I, she said, I, I was nervous to tell, I, I haven't told any of my friends I was nervous to tell my family. They're the only ones that know. But she was working really closely with these team, this team of specialists at the University of Miami. <clears throat> and she said they, they said there's no cure for this at all. Mm-hmm. That they put her on these heavy-duty medications. And it was just causing so, much, so many issues in her body. She said there was a risk of stroke and she had these severe headaches and it was terrible. She just felt so depressed and really had felt like there was no hope for her with no cure and, and everything. So she said, yes, I will happily agree to be your subject for this session that you want to videotape. So I thought, okay good, let's do a session. I'm going to videotape this session and take it to my class. So our first session, she gets regressed by me and goes to this past life where she's um, this queen in this place. It's like in the South Pacific. And we find out it's this place called Lemuria. She has never heard of this place before. And she's taken as a prisoner by the by these really advanced people known as the Atlanteans and she lives for 60 years in Atlantis and so her during a QHHT session you access the person's higher self or their subconscious so as I did that I asked why did you you know first of all why does she have this brain condition they said to get her to see you because you guys are meant to uncover this information and share it with the world. It wasn't time when she tried to share this with the world before. She tried in the 1970s and she was called crazy. They said she was suffering from a condition called female hysteria because she has female hormones, <laughs> believe it or not, in the 70s. And so was that Dolores? Are you talking about Dolores then? No, um, Jen. Oh. So Jen had the brain condition to come see me and we're supposed to uncover all this information and share it with the world because the world needs it really badly now. Yes. Jen, in a different lifetime, tried to share this information before, but she was called crazy and she was lobotomized. So this is the next life. And they said she waited around in the afterlife for a while for the perfect time, the perfect situation where she could meet up with me And we could uncover this information and then share it. And they said, we will help you share it. 
there's nothing you need to do. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, wow. You know, I, I just, I honestly, I didn't, I just thought, okay, you know, you know how it is. A session is a session and you never know. So I got that information and went to the class and everything like that. But I, because I'm such a curious person and gosh, I wanted to find out more about Atlantis. Right. I wanted to work with Jen Moore to find out about this information that we're supposed to share with the world. So we decided we would work together again. And she happily agreed. She had, she was so blown away because she hadn't really, she didn't even think Atlantis was a real place. So now she has all these this information about Atlantis and, and Lemuria. It was such an amazing place. And she just wanted to find out more about these places. And so did I. So we set out to work together again. And we thought, well, she'll probably start from the beginning of that lifetime. She'll probably start where she's a baby and recount that information when she's like a child in Lemuria. And then we'll, we'll get all the information about her, you know, living in Atlantis as a prisoner. But her higher self had a totally different agenda. <laughs> as they but, usually do. And, you know, in a QHHT session, you don't lead the client. You don't say, okay, let's start in Atlantis, blah, blah, blah. No, just um, let the higher self take over. So they took her to a memory. And this is somebody who did not believe in extraterrestrials, <laughs> to give you the background. Right. They took her to past life where she was an extraterrestrial crash landing on Earth for the very first time. And as we were going through this past life, I thought, wait, that must be a mistake. How did this happen? I thought we were going to start in my mind. I was thinking, I thought we were going to start from that Lemurian lifetime, but no, that was not the beginning of the story. That was not the start of this information they wanted us to share. They wanted us to share all about why the extraterrestrials came to earth, what they're doing here, their mission, their purpose, and then what happened, how the Atlantis started, Lemuria started, just from the ground up. And meanwhile, we're both pretty blown away. So we get all this information and then we just went, it took us two years and we got all this information and then we both put it in books. But, oh my gosh, it, just changed the way I view everything. And so what, what started happening, this crazy phenomenon started happening where as I was uncovering this information with Jen, and at first I thought this was a really strange coincidence, people were coming to my office and under hypnosis, they were sharing similar information. They would go back to the same time period in Atlantis or Lemuria or as an extraterrestrial crash landing on Earth. And I would, I asked everybody else doing QHHT too. And I, I think I probably put it on the forum. I'm not sure. Is everybody else noticing they're having a lot of Atlantis and Lemurian past lifetimes yeah, or extraterrestrial yeah. um, lifetimes where they're crash landing on Earth? And then I realized, no, it's only me that's having these experiences because I'm supposed to report on them. So I started writing down the other ones, some of the other ones, there are so many, and then I put it all together for the book. Yeah. That was my first journey. 
<laughs> your first journey. Really? Okay. So other journeys as well. So do well, tell. So after we finished the first book, the Atlantis book, then I set out to work with Jen again to uncover more and see where they wanted to take us after that book. And it just turned out that it had a totally different agenda than, because I don't write these books. I'm just the humble messenger. I'm just along for the ride, the one that types up the information. But they had a totally diff different agenda and they brought us to the Sphinx and at more extraterrestrial uh, understanding and purpose and past lives of an extraterrestrial. I feel like yeah. what's really interesting about these books is that I think people, you know, talk a lot about UFOs or extraterrestrials, but it's different to understand the consciousness of them or to understand their actual memories. Right. It puts everything into a totally different perspective, I feel like. I feel so too. And then that we've had, um, we've usually had a, at least one life off planet. Right. Oh my gosh, definitely. Right. And so that also just opens up so many possibilities for us. So many things that it's like, oh my gosh, that explains why I'm so attracted to this. This what explains why I've always been drawn to Orion. This explains why I've always been drawn to the Pleiades. So it it's just another mm, another layer to it all, don't you think? Right. Yeah, definitely. I know. It's really fascinating. It helps you see yourself clearer, I think. I think you really so. get a more um more understanding of who you really are. And that's so key. Right? Don't you think that when we know who and what we truly are, like that just gives us so many avenues to exp I don't know, that's kind of a simple way to put it, but it's like that's everything. When you know who it is. what you really are, who you really are, it changes everything. It does. And I think, well, especially for me, I grew up thinking that I had to be like somebody else. I had to be a certain way. Right. I had to do these things and, you know, listen to what everybody else thought about me. And then the more you learn, the more you realize, no, it's the opposite of that. You have to be you. You have to be the most like you, you can. That's, that's basically the goal. And we're not supposed to be like everybody else that keeps us so stagnant, you know, and exactly. it's so interesting when you really learn how powerful you are and how it's been kind of like blocked from your reality through so much programming, you know, to keep you small. And then when you do these QHHT sessions with so many different clients, you realize that you're not powerless at all. In fact, it's the opposite. You're God. <laughs> Absolutely. And you can't look at anything the same way again. You can't. It, it totally changes your perception of the world. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. 
Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Did you know that Radiate Wellness is more than just a podcast? That's right. We're also a comprehensive holistic wellness practice. Find out about our services, practitioners, and upcoming events at radiatewellnesscommunity.com. While you're there, visit our podcast page to read more about our great guests and even donate to the podcast. If you like our podcast, you can help in other ways as well, like subscribe or follow us wherever you're listening right now. Tell a friend, a family member, or a coworker about the great content you find here. And if you wouldn't mind, please give us a thumbs up, a five-star rating, or a positive review. Sounds like a small thing, but it really helps. You might like to know about our Facebook communities while we're at it. We have a free community, the Radiate Wellness Community, on Facebook for news and great free content. Our subscribers group is Radiate U, as in the letter U, but also, well, you. There you'll find curated replays of past classes, guest interviews, and more. And now... Back to our podcast and back to our guest. It does. Now, were you brought up in any particular religious tradition? Well, my dad is Jewish and my mom is Quaker. And they both sides <laughs> of my family were religious. I mean, my, not my parents, so to speak, but their family was religious. Yeah. So they, we just didn't have religion because they're, you know... There's some things he disagreed on, but I was, you know, we could be adapt adaptable, you know, talk about Jesus at this house, but definitely not at this house. Just, you know, keep it, keep it nice. And it was no big deal, but it definitely taught, it was very helpful to me to not really have a religion because I didn't have that to kind of hold me back. So I didn't have any. You didn't have a um, conceived notion. You didn't have some sort of right. worldview that was really constrained. Right. Yeah. It was kind of the opposite. So I was pretty lucky, I felt. That sounds like a very open-minded upbringing. I mean, these two, they're not even polar opposites, but just like two very different 
views of how things work, and then which I have huge respect for Quakers and huge respect for Jew, the Jewish tradition, huge respect, vast hit, I and mean, just like it's those are two fascinating groups, and um, you know just this, I can imagine that it leaves you more or less a blank slate. I feel really blessed, but you know how it is when we design our lives, you know, and you look back on how you designed your life, it all makes sense. It makes sense that I would have decided that for myself. But then it's also hard when you're like, why did I have to have so many problems? I mean, (laughs) and I think my higher self has a sense of humor because I'm half Jewish, half Quaker, and then my in-laws are Jehovah's Witnesses. I don't know if you know this, but I'm not the poster child for what to do in the Jehovah's But my in-laws are such fantastic people. Thank goodness. Wow. Yeah, I can imagine that that would be kind of pushing some envelopes there. It's like you know, they're such fa- they're fantastic people, and awesome, and it's wonderful. It's um. Yeah, it is what it is, but it's, you know, I'm very respectful, and I don't go around talking about aliens or anything like that, unless they're curious, unless they're curious. Right, yeah, unless they're curious. Now, yeah, there's a big debate, of course, whether, uh, about, about disclosure, about a widespread disclosure. I mean, we know that there are aliens, we know they've been visiting us for a very long time, we know we have artifacts. We know um, that we've got a, a history with extraterrestrials, and yet it's not just like widely disclosed. There are some that say it's not widely disclosed because that would really just upend our worldview. I don't know. What do you think? Well, I think there's a bunch of reasons. I think our society kind of runs on people doing work and making money for. Yeah. It's kind of like a top-tiered government where people make money off of people that don't want to think too much. And I think if people really knew who they really were and they realized the, the potential that they actually are walking around with and that they create this reality and that they're really God, that that would have a lot of um, negative effects for the people that are making money off of these people, so to speak. So there's that. I mean, it's just seems to be the way our society is run. And then there's also the aspect that if people really knew that they've been lied to, what are they going to say about other things that they could have been lied to about? I think that there's so many things at play. And then there's the fear aspect. Some people might be in total fear and think that you know, there's, there's this like group that could totally take over the world and turn them into robots and stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah. And and then there are those saying that it would completely turn religion on its head, which I, that was, that was a big issue that um, the higher self kept saying when um, they were giving me information through my clients, they said, there's a lot of people that aren't really going to be happy with the information that we're sharing with you because it would really put religion on its head, so to speak. When they say things like, you know, we all come from the stars. I mean, not that it would totally destroy religion because you could totally look at it 
through a religious lens. Yeah. But just that even the angels come from the stars, they were saying. So it just, I guess, just a different way of, um, of looking at things or, or a different way of giving things a name. Right. It doesn't have to be mutually exclusive. It doesn't cancel each other out. It doesn't, not at all. No. Okay. So let's get back to the books. Um, so what, uh, where do I even start, Sarah? I mean, because so many questions about Atlantis. Yes, I've had clients go to Atlantis. We've, I've read Dolores' books. What have you found um, that's new or interesting about Atlantis? Okay. okay, so as we were getting this information, we started in 2018. And as we were getting all this information, I always wondered why the Atlanteans wanted to go to Lemuria. What did they want from the Lemurians? The Lemurians were this beautiful society. It was a matriarchal society where it was women run. And the reason why the women were the rulers is because they instinctually had knowledge that they would pass on from mother to daughter. They wouldn't have to teach the daughter. It was an instinct that was just passed through the subconscious. And it was a beautiful society full of compassion and they were very spiritual. They had many different things that they practiced to communicate with their ancient ancestors. Um, So I always wondered, what did the Atlanteans want from the Lemurians? Well, I noticed in the sessions that a lot of people that I would regress would go back to Atlantis during this time, and they would say that the air was smoggy, that they couldn't really see the sun, like not every day. And I always wondered why that was. And it turns out there was a virus in Atlantis and it was a deadly virus. So they were burning the bodies. That's the way that they got rid of the bodies, but it caused a lot of smoke and a lot of ash in the air, or I don't know what was in the air, but it was something that covered the sun basically. So there was a virus and the Lemurians type of immunity. And these Atlanteans were very advanced. I can tell you why they were advanced, but I'll get to that later. (laughs) So they were very advanced, way more than the Lemurians. The Lemurians were advanced spiritually, but the Lemurians had a type of immunity on their island. And they wouldn't really get sick on their island. They would have pain, like with childbirth and things like that. But the Atlanteans had noticed this. They had been watching them secretly and noticed that they had this type of immunity. So they made themselves known. They had this special technology was like stealth technology, just basic extraterrestrial technology though, but they could hide themselves. So when they arrived in Lemuria, they wanted their immunity, but the Lemurians couldn't give the Atlanteans their immunity. It, was, it wasn't something they could transfer. It was given to them from the star people. So the star people had given, to, given them these special crystals, which the way they placed them would create this immunity. It wasn't something they could give to somebody else. But the Atlanteans told them, look, we're dealing with this deadly virus. We need your we need your immunity. And they kept the Lemurians kept explaining, look, we can't transfer this to you. This was a gift from the star people. So the Atlanteans during this time, around this time, developed a vaccine because they were running out of options. So it was different than the 
different than vaccines now. It was a slit in the arm and genetic material was placed in, and it was a mandatory vaccine, but it was they were using um, animal DNA. Now, they had already been experimenting with animals and um, creating different, putting different animal body parts. That, that was a common thing happening there, but this was different. This was um, the vaccine for the for this deadly virus. And at the time, it looked like this, this was definitely going to work. This vaccine was just a godsend. People were rejoicing. They were able to come out of their quarantine. Everybody was able to go about their life, and it looked fantastic. That's familiar. All, all of this is familiar for a reason. So um, after the first set of babies started being born with horrific side effects, mm. they realized, oh, we have to do something about this. So they were desperate. They did not know what to do with And because they, the Lemurians would not give them this immunity, because they couldn't, the Atlanteans told them they were going to destroy them if they did not do what they wanted. They wanted this, and, and they were desperate at this point. So that is when they destroyed Lemuria, and there's so many, I bet you do too, so many clients recount the ginormous, oh, can't speak today, ginormous wave that destroyed their whole civilization. So many people have this fear and there's so many people back again right now. That's why so many people come in for a session and they go to this time. So anyway, um, so the side effects of this vaccine were horrific. There were babies born with these animal parts, like animal DNA. Some were born without certain parts and it was terrible. It was just, they did not know what to do. So they tried to revamp this vaccine and they put it back into all kinds of trials. And the second one, same issue, they didn't fix it until the third one. But at that point, it was almost the end of their whole civilization. But um, so when Jen, whose name in this lifetime was Kala, was living as a prisoner in this prison, she was able to kind of understand what was happening, you know, from, from this from her perspective. Of course, she got a much greater perspective in the afterlife, but she saw that they tested her a lot of times. They tried to do different experiments on her. They were horrific, the stuff that she endured during that lifetime. But what I think is really important to understand, and it's what I've come to uh, learn through writing this book, was that the side effects that they that these children had actually created a lot of abilities. And I think it's important because so many of us are back again now. So many of us are so triggered. And there's a reason why a lot of people who lived during this time period are very, very triggered because they're back again now to, you know, experience this again and move past this trauma. But what's important to understand is the side effects Although, yes, they were horrific for many and they were just devastating. For some, they created these amazing abilities. So there were these children that were born that could 
because of their side effects, they could tap into crystals, tap into ley lines, they could levitate things with their mind. It's almost as if the side effects opened a new channel in their mind. And if you look at our society today, if you look at the savants, say, just some a group of uh, people that are considered to have a disability, they have an obvious ability. And if you, and if you look at sick, children as well. There's some teachers of autistic children that will tell you that they can communicate with full sentences um, to one another. So I think as we move forward, it's it's really important to understand that disabilities also have abilities people with disabilities also have abilities and it's it's hard because of course who wants to have a disability but i think just as we move forward in our current timeline um so as i pulled all this information and then we started to notice that there were a lot of similarities going on around us in the outside world and we we started to get scared, to be honest with you. I thought, oh my gosh, are we repeating this? Are we going to repeat all this stuff? But what I've learned is no, we're right on track. We're doing things so much better you know, now. We're actually progressing in such a great way that it's it's like this. Humanity doesn't evolve in a straight line. It evolves in cycles. So the fact that we're back here again means we're doing better this time. We're moving past this. And we're, there's so many of us back again now because after those civilizations were destroyed, there was so much karma, so much trauma to account for. I mean, we're talking about millions of souls. So we all decided we were going to get back together now and do this differently <laughs> or whatever way we chose to do it differently. It's, there's no right or wrong. You can't do it wrong. It's just so, a learning experience. Yeah. And obviously we didn't learn what we needed to learn the last time and we were needing to come back. You know, it's the old adage of those who do not learn history are doomed to repeat it. Exactly. Exactly. So let's switch over to the Sphinx. So what did you find out for that title? Oh, my goodness. So I worked again with Jen, and we went deeper into her other past life when she was in the 1970s. So fascinating. We got so many details. We found out that she was um, committed to the Bellevue Mental Hospital in New York, and she threw threw herself off the Brooklyn Bridge. And we were able to retrace her steps and go through that life in so much detail. Um, And as I was um, uncovering that past life through the hypnosis, we realized that she had done this before with somebody else named Julie. There was another hypnotist. She used this method where she would have Jen, who had a different name in that lifetime, stare into a candle. That was how she hypnotized her in that lifetime. And back in the 1970s, in that past life, this information came to her a lot easier. They said they they put blocks on it in her current life as Jen, just just so it wouldn't be so overwhelming. So what happened in the 70s wouldn't happen to her in this current lifetime. But as I was was going through all this information with Jen under hypnosis and through the use of Julie back in that 
lifetime. Sorry, I don't want to lose you with all these different names. Um, we realized that she uncovered so much information about the Sphinx. And it was interesting because I had been to the Sphinx when I went to Egypt to help teach with Julia Cannon. And I had had my own regression where I went to the Sphinx. So the Sphinx has always fascinated me. And it turned out that the Sphinx is actually like a beacon, like a radio. It's built on this very special rock. So it's communicating with other planets. It records history. Yeah. So it's there recording our history and sending it out to all these other planets who are keeping track of us. And then we're also getting information that comes through the Sphinx as well. The Sphinx isn't the only kind of beacon or you know signal like this but it's one of the most well-known but mm -hmm. there's so much about the sphinx that's so fascinating i mean everything everything is recorded in the sphinx and it's like this it's also like a time capsule so when the time is right we will be able to access our full history the way history really was but if you were to really access this information now it would completely awaken you you would be completely enlightened. And that's not really why we're here. I mean, we're supposed to have this experience and go through the motions and evolve ourselves until we're really, you know, ready for that. And by the time we're really ready for that, we'll probably be ready to go to a different planet at that point because we will have evolved ourselves so high. But Right, right. Yeah, it's our, it's our journey to uh, just figure it out on our own. Right. The breadcrumbs and with all of the different types of uh, ways to open that consciousness. You know, I, that had come up in some of my sessions, too, about the Sphinx being a repository, oh. being like a beacon, being a um, communication device in a way. Yes. Communication device. Mm -hmm. See, that's so confirming. And I don't know about you, but I didn't know any of these things before no. doing these sessions. No. And what, what's so amazing is I'll have multiple clients say the same thing in their sessions and they don't know one another no. and they don't know these things consciously. Right. So I feel like it really validates this information. Isn't that, yeah, that's amazing. So I, on the cover of the Sphinx book, the, it's the secrets of the Sphinx, you actually have these um, saucers, these craft so what role do the craft have in that book, The Secrets of the Sphinx? So it's so fascinating because I didn't know who created or built the Sphinx. And when I was working with Jen and some other clients, I realized that these, this group of extraterrestrials built it and they didn't need bodies at that time. They built the Sphinx without needing any bodies because there weren't any humans they were interacting with. So they built the Sphinx before colonizing the humans. And wow. it was really interesting. So the extraterrestrials obviously play a huge role in who we are and why we're here. And it's so fascinating because as you um, go through this information, you realize the secret of the universe really is that this life is just a game. And we are extraterrestrials. Like we're all part of this group that has done all of this, that has 
built the Sphinx, that has created this world. These worlds are created for our experience and we're the ones that created them. Yes. I always think of the earth, like the lab portion of a biology class (laughs) where you've got the lecture portion and then you go try it out in the lab. And then this is where we come to actually look at the physical implications and to see just, yeah, this chess game, how it actually works, how it actually, um, how we use consciousness, how we use our thoughts, how we use our vibrations um, in a slowed down environment to put into practice the things that we know elsewhere. Exactly. And it's so fascinating because Earth is so isolated. On other planets, they, they're they aware, obviously, of other extraterrestrial beings or other beings around them. But Earth is like, the, like you said, like this lab, like we're the experiment. You know, well, there's other Earth planets, but we're very isolated on ours. We- and we're isolated for a reason. Because we're always trying to find the variance. You know, we're always trying to do things a little bit differently. And we we go through planet to planet and we evolve ourselves to the point where we don't need our planet and the planet has to die and recover. And then we go to another planet and we just consist consistently do this. Yeah. That's I, mm-hmm. I really why we're here. Planets that work, that have been to other planets as they go through this. And, you know, recreating a new and refreshing and building new, new places. Right. Right. But I put in the craft because as we were uncovering these memories that Jen had from the 1970s, we realized that she had been contacted by extraterrestrials and they had been taking her aboard the ship to do different, not experiments, but do different tweaks on her to make sure her body was okay they would they could actually heal her but they wouldn't if it was something she needed um in her life and it was so fascinating the way they would take her and just to go through that to really understand what happens when people are contacted in in that way and for her it was a very beneficial experience to be contacted wow now does she have conscious knowledge of these contacts in the current lifetime as Jen. Now she does, but before doing these sessions, she didn't, she didn't know. How has that affected her life? So Jen has completely changed. She used to live in the Florida Keys, but after having recounted all this information, she decided she wanted to go back to be as closest as she could to her homeland. So she moved her family back to Hawaii oh. and she's just enjoying it so much. And basically really living close to that place that she felt she lost. And she said, it's so fascinating because they still have some of the ancient traditions going on there. And sometimes you can see, um, you know, there's labyrinths that you can walk along. They had labyrinths in Lemuria. And so it's, she's just really happy to have uncovered this information to be back. (laughs) (laughs) And what about her brain condition? Oh, she healed herself. I guess I forgot to mention that. So after our first session, after our first session, she felt completely better. She felt better, but of course she had to go see her team of specialists. Mm -hmm. And when they scanned her, 
they said it was a medical miracle because she had completely healed. Yep. We know how that works. I know. To us, it's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> of course. Right. But. Yeah, I expected as much that it would have been right. healed. Right. It sounds like she's made some shifts after all of this. What a mind-opening experience when she hadn't even been looking for something like that. I know. And that's the thing. If you think about yourself, you know, the deeper you can go into yourself, the more you uncover about who you really are and why you're here. And I think that's everybody's journey, really. It's just to be themselves, but to really be themselves, to find out what that is, just to get really curious about who you are. Absolutely. So many of us just go through life on autopilot, not even thinking that there's anything more. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just a hologram. It's like we're in the holodeck on Star Trek. Exactly. But it's hard. It's hard to be in this 3D reality. But I think if you can really understand, like, for instance, I get this information from so many clients and they don't know one another and they share the same information. Yes. That the secret is that this is a game. So if you think about it, we're just experiencing ourselves in this game. We want to have the full experience. We don't want to know the answers. We don't know what great things are coming down the road for us. We want to be surprised by it all. We want the, we want the sadness. We want the happiness in this game. But really when we're done, we just walk away and we just choose another game. <laughs> Nothing ever happens to the soul. You know, you never really die. No. This is this is just for your experience. Right, right. And Dolores used to say, what good is the test if you already know the answers? I love it. I know. I love that quote. The, the game is figuring it out. Right. The fun is making it up as we go along, figuring it out as we go along. The game is discovery. Right. Right. It wouldn't be the game if we knew all of these things ahead of time. Exactly. And that's what we're here for, to really experience it. And it's interesting, when you talk to other higher beings from other planets, they always say that it's the best thing ever to be a human on Earth. Because where they live, it's blissful always on some of these other planets where they've already evolved past the need to have duality. I mean, in their infant, in the infant stages on their planet, they had it, but they, you know, they don't live with duality anymore. It's just bliss. And I would ask them, you know, that sounds pretty nice, but they said, you know what? It's not, it's boring. It's blissful always. But it's also fascinating to talk to them because they said, you know, they like to get together and to join minds and to, you know, you know, think they're very cerebral on some of these other planets, but it still gets somewhat boring, even though they have children and everything that are beautiful, light beings, it's fun to come to earth and play. (laughs) Exactly. Right. Because you get to do some things that are very different. Yeah. And other, Mm -hmm. in other places, the emotional gamut is basically from, meh to bliss right (laughs) or or even just happy 
to blissed out, right? Right, exactly. We can go all the way down to grief, fear, powerlessness, anger. All of these things are so useful. Right, yes. Right, and how to get out of those. Right. Wow. (laughs) What else do you have going on? Any other books coming up? Well, I started my third book and I've again been bombarded. It's so funny. It's, I don't know about you, but I still have doubts. I still am like a skeptic when, well, it's not, and you know, I still think, oh, well, Jen moved to Hawaii. Maybe I won't have a subject that's as good as Jen, but I've been flooded with amazing subjects. I have a new subject, a couple new subjects actually. And this information is amazing that's been coming through. So it's ridiculous for me to doubt. I mean, that that's been proven to me time and time again. But yet the doubts still creep in. And it's it's almost like crazy. <laughs> but <laughs> but it's really exciting. I'm super excited for this third book. I'm just starting it and Already I have, like, I think I'm on page 19 of amazing information. So can you share what it's about? Can you share what it's about? I can't yet (laughs) because it might change. Because I don't write the books. I never know if it's going to take a different direction. Right. Yeah. Oh, wow. So interesting i can't wait for that to come out that'll be fascinating and you're down in the florida keys you're still seeing clients Mm -hmm. do you still see clients for psychology or counseling or just like regular clinical hypnosis no i only do qhht right now yeah yeah and you're very prolific at it you're very good very sought after too thank you yeah. Um, fantastic. Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you think is really important to mention? Um, I'm trying to think. Um, well, I think that one of the biggest reasons I wrote these books mm-hmm. is because it doesn't take much to heal from these lifetimes or to heal just on certain levels. All you really have to do is to read something that you really resonate with and you can release so much trauma. And I know this because once I had a session where I was doing a session and my client recounted a past life where she remembered me. And in this lifetime, my shoulder had been dislocated. Now I had always had this issue with my left shoulder. It was just a weird issue. And I didn't think anything of it when she recounted this lifetime, but it wasn't until the next day when I was driving in my car, I realized, oh my gosh, my shoulder had healed just from hearing her session. So I know that it doesn't take much for other people to heal. And I thought the best way, the best impact I could have on other people was that they could read these books and heal without ever having to go through and remember it personally. And I I know people are healing themselves. I've heard somebody read, um, read the book and they healed their eyesight. Oh my! Somebody else healed their strange cough. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. 
Well, has it ever happened to you where you read something or you heard something and you resonated with it so deeply, you get the goosebumps and then you realize you've released a layer of your trauma instantly. Yeah. That's really my intention for putting these books out there. Oh my gosh. And that's a, that's a great point because a lot of people resonate so much with Dolores and that her writings, your books change lives change people the way people see themselves and change lives that way. I'm hoping to do that. I'm hoping that that could be, you know, whatever the gift that I can give Mm -hmm. to help people. I know that when we were all in uh, Daytona beach for the QHHT convention, the practitioner reunion and all the level threes were having dinner together, we got to talking about, you don't look your age. You don't look your age. You don't look, none of us look our age. What's going on? It's like we get to talk to the subconscious every session and we get to have healing right along with the client. So I think there's something with that to just hear the words, read the words, be in the words and receive healing too. Oh my gosh, definitely. It's such a match between the practitioner and the client. And I feel so blessed to do this work, to be in that energy. It's amazing. Yes. Plus when you do these sessions, you realize that there's absolutely nothing to really worry about, that we're always being taken care of by ourselves (laughs) in a different, (laughs) in a different, whatever you want to call it. But yeah. Right. Yeah. Everything's always okay. Right. The, any worry we have, we bring it on ourselves. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I love that. Sarah, it's been so fun talking to you. And where can where can people find out more of um, more of what you do, your books and everything else? Um, you can go to my website at theholistichypnotist.com. Fantastic. And you get, you can get your books there, too. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And you can get them on Amazon as well. Right. But, you know, let's go to the, let's go to the source. <laughs> so thank you so much for joining me today. You are just delightful, and I enjoy knowing you so much. Me too. Thank you so much. It was really fun. Radiate Wellness is an international community of holistic and alternative healers dedicated to helping you create spiritual, energetic, and physical well-being. To learn more about our practitioners, services, classes, and events, or to schedule an appointment, visit us at radiatewellnesscommunity.com.
I'm Michelle Phillips, a celebrity makeup artist, beauty expert, self-confidence coach, and Hay House author. My podcast, Beauty and Beyond, is the place for women navigating the challenges of the aging process. Listen in for my professional advice, as well as my expert guests, as we share valuable tips, practical tools, and empowering resources to help you not only look amazing, but also live an amazing life. Part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and available wherever you get your podcasts.